Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 343. And if you're following the summer movie series, I'm having a great time with it. Hope you are as well. Last week's episode in movie 342, in which I talk about Whale Rider, is now available on the website. Today, for episode 343, uh, I thought it would be a perfect time to share with you my absolute favorite documentary. It's 2018's Won't You Be My Neighbor? It was directed by Morgan Neville, came out June 29th, 2018, started with a limited theatrical release and then got a nationwide release. I was lucky enough to see this in the theater twice, and uh, then I later got the documentary on Blu-ray. I'll tell a funny story about that. Initially, they weren't going to do a wide home media release. It was only going to be released on DVD, and then there was just this big outcry of people who wanted it on Blu-ray. And I got on the waiting list. I remember it was like a couple of months uh, before it would be released on Blu-ray. I got on the waiting list and then uh, I was able to get it from Amazon on Blu-ray. It's also available on streaming. But this documentary uh, had such an impact on so many people. It's one of the highest grossing documentaries. No surprise. Uh, It was snubbed and wrongfully so. This is probably one of the biggest Uh, tragedies or crimes, if you will, that the Academy Awards overlooked this movie. It was not nominated for Best Documentary. It should have not only been nominated, it should have won. Actually, I think this could have been a contender for Best Picture. So, uh, But the fact that it has such a legacy, the fact that so many people have discovered it and back then and continuing to this day speaks to its staying power. Uh, First of all, I'm going to say this. It is very hard for me to talk about Mr. Fred Rogers and to be objective. Uh, He is one of my childhood idols. I grew up watching his show. I've admired him for a long time. And in recent years, I have rediscovered the joy of his work. I've learned much more about him as a person and just how impactful he has been, just how much of a legacy he has created and the work that he did for children and for children's programming. And we'll talk a little bit about that today. So off the bat, I'm going to say it's very hard for me to be objective, but I'm going to try my best and I'm going to stick with the confines of the documentary itself. First of all, as a documentary, whether or not you know a lot about Fred Rogers, this is a very well-constructed documentary. It uses a lot of narrative tools. So that is one of the things I want to highlight. And it you, it starts off, I love the way it opens, with just a few musical notes and revealing that it's Fred Rogers playing on a piano. And uh, it starts off with a black and white archive art, uh, interview of Fred Rogers. And then throughout the film, you see a lot of archive footage, as well as mixing it up with interviews from people from Mr. Rogers' life, including people who worked on the show, people, his family, his friends. There's. Uh, I was actually happy to see Yo-Yo Ma is featured quite a bit. He was a good friend of uh, Fred Rogers, and of course, he's he's very famous in the the classical musical world. Uh, so, very great narrative tools. It also splices in uh, animation, which is effectively used in this documentary, and news footage of current events. And that's one of the things that you will learn about Fred Rogers in this documentary. And I have to start off by saying a lot of people have this nostalgic conception of Mr. Rogers, that he was just this nice guy who hosted a children's television program. He wore sweaters and tennis shoes and sang songs and played with puppets, and that was about it. 
But that is only the surface of Mr. Rogers. That is only the surface of his work. And what was fascinating to see was how he got his start into children's television programming. What you might not know was that he was started out as an ordained Presbyterian minister. He had no intention of becoming a TV personality. It was only later as he stumbled into it by accident that he ended up becoming this iconic character. But it was interesting to see that he got his start because he felt like that in the 1960s, there was no quality television programming for children. He felt a lot of it was junk. A lot of it was just too commercial. And so what he did was he wanted to start uh, providing content for children. So at first, they his uh, studio, they bought a lot of um, uh, previously created content. And a lot of it was really in poor quality, as Mr. Rogers talks about in some of the interviews, that uh, some of the footage was broken, some of the film didn't work, and it was just to fill up airtime. And that's when he got the spark, the catalyst, to start creating original programming. And so that was the the beginnings of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And that was the interesting thing to see, the genesis of that. And then to really understand how Mr. Rogers touched on very serious adult issues that a lot of children's television programming today does not address, but in a way that was accessible, in a way that was uh, uh, digestible for children. And that is extremely powerful. That's one of the things that you walk away understanding having watched this documentary was just how relevant some of the issues that were addressed on the show were. Yes, of course, he covered a lot of the, the the staples of childhood, sharing, caring, being friends, you know, having manners, going to school. But to see issues like death, divorce, it was so interesting to see uh, that they did a whole segment around the time of Robert Kennedy's assassination about assassination, about death, about tragedy, that Mr. Rogers didn't shy away from those issues. And that's where it's interesting. The documentary makes use of news footage to show the context of the content that Mr. Rogers was creating at a particular time. One of my favorite segments is when they explore his friendship with Francois Clemens. And Francois Clemens um, was cast as a neighborhood police officer. He's a, a black actor and opera singer. And he was very hesitant to take on that role. He was very hesitant to play that character. And it was interesting to see how Mr. Rogers convinced him that he could be a role model and that portraying a black police officer in this neighborhood could be a positive force and a positive influence. And then one of the most powerful segments you will see in this documentary is uh, one of the episodes during the height of the civil rights movement when segregation was rampant, Mr. Rogers was cooling off his feet in a waiting tub. Officer Clemens comes by and Mr. Rogers invites him to sit down with him and to soak his feet in the same tub. It was a simple yet powerful message that Mr. Rogers was sending to children and to to the nation at that point. It was really just an incredible, incredibly moving scene. And uh, it was... And it's interesting, I wrote an article about this for LinkedIn, but that Mr. Rogers was in fact a figure, if if not a subtle, but a very powerful figure in the civil rights movement for showing that. He was showing something on TV, on children's television, that at that time was considered illegal in certain parts of the country. And he was 
demonstrating the power of embracing your fellow man, and yet at the same time showing the ridiculousness of segregation and just kind of breaking that and saying, hey, look, you know, segregation is just silly. It's ridiculous. And he did that through that subtle message. Another segment, which I thought was really interesting, was how Mr. Rogers became a leader, a pioneer in television's programming, and in many ways, a savior of public television itself. And so during the Nixon administration during the 70s, as um, that administration wanted to cut the budget, and one of the areas that they wanted to cut was funding for public television, we see a segment in which Mr. Rogers actually testifies before a, a Senate subcommittee, and the Senator Pastore, he's pretty much convinced that he's going to cut television, uh, public television funding. There's no question about it. And then Mr. Rogers gets up to testify, and he shares with Senator Pastore his work, and he actually recites some of the lyrics from one of the songs from the program. And you can see how moved Senator Pastore is, this kind of big, gruff, tough guy who's just uh, cold as ice, and then all of a sudden you see him melting. And before you know it, Senator Pastore approves $20 million of funding for public television. I mean— where do we see someone doing something like that today, like Mr. Rogers, the way he did, the way he was so disarming and yet so strong? That's another thing that Mr. Rogers and this documentary demonstrates is that he had a quiet strength. And one of the things that I, I find so confounding is when someone just assumes, oh, Mr. Rogers is just a silly character and, you know, you know he's, he's, not a, you know, he's not a real role model. He was the absolute role model and— uh, an incredible show of strength, quiet strength, and his ability to captivate even the most ardent skeptic. That is a really, really powerful individual. And to see that in this documentary is extremely moving. Um, I, I will say, I mean, there's so much I could say about this documentary. I could probably go on for hours, but I just want to sum up and really just point out that Mr. Rogers was so much more than what you may remember from childhood or what you may have heard of. And I encourage you to watch his documentary, to learn about him, learn about his work, uh, learn about his legacy. So let me wrap this up and uh, just kind of sum up the good and the bad. The good, I, as I said before, the use of narrative tools to tell this story, archival footage, the musical score, I think, is one of the best that I've listened to in recent years, one of the best movie scores, uh, as well as documentary scores. The use of uh, narrative devices such as interviews, animation, clips from the show, news footage for context, all of that is very well integrated to showcase the different facets of Mr. Rogers' life. I also like that Morgan Neville doesn't shy away from showing the human side of Mr. Rogers. The other image that a lot of us have is of this perfect saint. And in many ways, I think he does live up to that uh, reputation. But we get to see some of his human side. We get to see moments of frustration, impatience. You know, there was a time, and I didn't realize this, that he walked away from the show. And I thought one of the interesting parts of the documentary was when he decided he wanted to focus on adult programming, and he had a short-lived show called Old Friends and New Neighbors, or uh, Old Friends and New Friends, I think. And it was it was really interesting to see him struggling to make that transition. It didn't quite land, but I was so fascinated to learn about it. I also love the slice-of-life moments with his cast and crew, and they showed some 
some of the uh, behind-the-scenes crew on the show, who and they were uh, talking about practical jokes that they played on each other, and that was just so interesting to see. And obviously, uh, some of the interviews with his family, with his sons and his wife, I mean, that was all providing great context to this person and made him that much more accessible and relatable. So I like that the documentary just gives us a much fuller picture of who Mr. Rogers was. In terms of the bad, it's really hard to point out a criticism. I do have a minor criticism, and this is not so much about the documentary itself as much as the fact that I really think one documentary is not enough to capture the the life and the legacy of Mr. Rogers. One thing that is a little bit missing from this documentary is an exploration of his early life, and that was something I was hoping we would get to see more of. There are hints of it, and it's very interesting to hear some of his friends and colleagues talk about his past. As a child, he grew up very sickly. He was overweight, and uh, you know he was bullied as a child. And I wish we could have seen a little bit more of that side of his life explored. Most of this documentary focuses on his life and his career in television. Um, But I I think that's just a a, a factor of an hour and 35 minutes. There's only so much you can can tell. I do think that I would love to see a follow-up. I think Mr. Rogers' life is worthy of another documentary maybe focusing on his earlier life. Or I would love to see a longer form documentary, much like what we have more today, maybe a five-part uh, series on something like HBO Max or Netflix. I think Mr. Rogers is more than worthy of a subject for a long-form documentary. Other than that, that's just that's just my minor criticism. My rating for this is five out of five stars. Where can you catch uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Right now, HBO Max is streaming it. They do air it on PBS every now and then. I'll have affiliate links to Amazon if you want to purchase the documentary. It is worth having in your library. And I do encourage you to check out Hoopla. You may find it at your library. I will also have links to Tom Janode's articles on Mr. Rogers. He's a very interesting figure in Mr. Rogers' life, and uh, he does make an appearance in the documentary, as well as an affiliate link to Maxwell King's book, The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Mr. Uh, Fred Rogers. If you want something that's going to give you a lot more in-depth look at Mr. Rogers' life, including his childhood, I highly recommend that book. And I'll have a link to my interview with Dr. Lucille Burbank. She's an educational media consultant who had the fortune of spending some time with Mr. Rogers, and she talks about in that interview what he was like. Uh, So Won't You Be My Neighbor, highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have, revisit it. Uh, and uh, it is it is one of the best uh, documentaries uh, ever made. So uh, that's it for today. I will be back next week as we move into July. I uh, hope everyone has a great week and a great weekend.